Okay. All right. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. Today's episode 36. We have Jen F. doing an interview with us. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? Doing well now that you're here. We had a fantastic <laughs> pregame talk, so to speak. But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dive into this. Tell me about yourself. Oh, I am a newly single mother of two young girls, ages 10 and 2. Um, I have lived in Austin, Texas for about 14 months now. I left Chicago um, after a divorce. Um, my husband is a father of my kids, and um, we were high school, like, best friends. He was that guy that, like, always had the crush on me like he would do anything for me he was like there to pick me up when I got in a fight with the boyfriend and you know uh, made sure I got home okay and listened to me you know cry my eyes out or get excited about this one or that one and they were all assholes <laughs> and I was addicted to drama I was addicted okay. to um I was addicted to pity I, I felt like yeah but I, elaborate on that a little bit you said pity what, so, what do you mean by so, that so I like to um have people feel bad for me um I feel like if I focus on what's wrong with my life and I talk about like how awful he was yesterday or like can't believe what he did oh what I put up with and if I can get that sort of um label as like the girl who like has it you know a shit run of it like maybe I, then people will be extra nice to me and you know I, I benefit from that in some way that's the that's the subconscious motive behind you know just dishing out my business <laughs> do you still have that problem nowadays is that still something you battle with or have I you think away? I think I've learned to write about it now rather than rant about it. So write over, yeah, big time, big time. And um, I find that like doing that is my filter. Once I get it out on paper and I'm able to like look at like what my mind was trying to say and, and, where my emotions were and and what my motives were um it allows me to edit them and to take a look at myself and and reel it in like why am i saying this is this something that i really want to share um is it is it a little overdone is it too personal or is it um too crazy is it is it ill intent? You know, am, am I being selfish in talking about this right now or bringing this to this person? Um, and what I love is I date everything. I, I, I love to go back in old journals and like, so today's the 25th. I'll search through my notebooks and see if January 25th of any other year has a writing. And I'll see what I was going through that day. Like, where I was I? I have, yeah. but my journals are uh, so derogatory towards myself. I was really self, self-hating. Oh yeah, 
in a big way. Like I, I, um, I feel like it kind of gives a weird perspective to go back and look at what you write. It's almost like sometimes you didn't even write it. You know what oh, I mean? Like, I know that exact feeling. It's kind of like when I, um, I write an article for us. Sometimes when I'm done writing it, I just feel like I didn't even write that. Like it's someone else's. Right, right. It, it, it happens quite often. Like I write letters to people too. Like I prefer to communicate that way, especially like I am, I'm, I have a problem with confrontation. So like I tend to get very emotional at the drop of a hat, you know, like anything can turn into crying my eyes out and the world's going to end. And um, people will be extremely either offended or inspired by what I write them. <laughs> it can go either way. But I do often get um, really positive feedback in, in that a lot of people say, like, I was meant to write for people. Like, you know, like, I feel like it's better for me to have that opportunity to edit again, you know, because I can just ramble. And, you know, that's that sometimes needs to be, you know, a little more planned ahead. Like, I need to know what I want to talk about and not go off on a tangent. Yes. So tying this into addiction, this is something that probably helps a lot to keep you sober. What do you say about oh, that? Oh, definitely. Um, if I don't process my thoughts and my initial reaction to things, it could take me off in a really bad place, you know? Um, when you say, ed, what do you mean edit? Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? When you say you edit your thoughts? So say like, okay, so this morning when I woke up, I was overwhelmed, um, panicking almost. I have to be out of my current living situation by the first, okay? Um, and I'm reaching out to people with my small budget and appealing to them kind of to their heartstrings to um, give me a chance. Uh, I don't have enough for like a crazy security deposit or um, I can't get everything I want, right? Which is a really hard pill to swallow. Um, and if I write about it, which I did, I made a list of must-haves um, and not so important and um, grandiose and realistic. And it helped me, um, it helped me to focus my energy on more realistic goals, I guess. You know, like if I were to not have gotten it all out and seen like, okay, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I do not need laundry. I do not need to live in Hyde Park, okay? So, like, let's put that aside right now. And let's also put aside, they don't need to know my business about, you know, what I'm going through, why my finances are tight. Like, how much do I want to share with these people? <laughs> like, I had, I had wrote an email in response to a Craigslist ad telling this person, like, how my divorce, like, was really rough. And, like, you know, I'm an emotional wreck. And, like, it's almost like, I needed to say that I was talking to myself, not that guy, whoever the ad poster was, was not who I wanted to say that to. I needed to get that out. 
And like, thank God I didn't hit, you know, you can type emails and delete before you send. <laughs> yeah. yep. After I went over it and edited, um, I was more professional about it. And, um, you know, just really aware of my subconscious tendency to get pity, work the pity angle, you know? Like, ooh, if they know I'm having a bad divorce, like, oh, that poor woman, like, yeah, yep. we'll give her a shot. You know what I mean? Rather than emphasizing, like, I'm responsible, like, I got my shit together, like, I'm goal-oriented, you know? Like, it's hard to praise yourself, you know? <clears throat> I can say I'm guilty of a few uh, pity parties myself. Yeah. They suck. It's, uh, yeah, it's like the addict's, um, the addict's favorite mode of uh presentation i guess you know yeah our mode of operation <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um but anyway i've been in austin a little over a year i came into texas after living my whole life in chicago i'm pushing 40 by the way um because it seemed idealistic like chicago's a huge congested crime-ridden city okay with it's corrupt. It's sturdy. It's it. It's superficial. It's very uh, materialistic and um, let's see, like a um, commercial. You know, I wanted to like have an opportunity to like get in touch with nature and like wide open spaces. So like I always envisioned coming down here and like renting some land from some person that owned like a hundred acres, right? And mm-hmm. like standing and like watching the sunset over like the horizon and like hay grass blowing in the wind and like not a neighbor in sight and full full uh sky of stars and and uh building my I want to build a tiny house and building my tiny house in like a couple months and you know just owning it being strong and the reality of the situation is here I am over a year later and I've had a hundred projects that I've started and a um, hundred projects that I've talked myself out of. You know what I mean? Like um, my fear of failure is huge, huge. And that's um, one of the things is if you don't do it, you can't fail. Exactly. Right. You never know. Right. And and I don't want to live the what ifs, right? Yeah, no, that's. So I mean, it's like me starting this group. I said it, and I, I was saying I want to do something like this for a while. So finally, you know, maybe yeah. something came over me where I actually did it, and you know, look where we are now. Yeah, it's inspiring. You had mentioned that you're writing a book. Like, how many addicts say that? Oh my God, I should write a book. I want to write. I'm a book. real nervous. Yeah, like, you know, I, I feel at one point or another, like, I, I I know all my people that I associate with have, have said that exact phrase, I should write a book, or you should write a book. And to sit there and do it is not only, like, inspiring, but it's brave, you know, like, once you're on paper, you're tangible. Your yeah. life, your, your everything is, is in someone's hands, literally. Right? And I you're did wrong. it. I did it like uh, Bill W. And actually, my friend who didn't read the AA book mentioned him. He goes, you need to tell your story first. He goes, because what that does 
is it gives you the ability to say, I have a right to talk about addiction. Because he says, otherwise, right. people might just think you're like a therapist or something where you're just an author writing a book about addiction. So I'm just going, that relates to putting myself out there. Tell, tell my whole story, you know, my eating yeah. disorder, my bipolar, everything. So right. I don't mind talking about it anymore. I talk about it all the time. And I love that, you know, to, to feel comfortable talking about like where you fucked up in your life and the bad choices you've yeah. made is, is what every person really needs to learn to do, you know, Take responsibility. you've got to own it, right? You've yep. got to own everything, <clears throat> own it. you know, if you're, a, if you're a full-blown junkie, you don't want to quit, own it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If, if you're, if you're clean and you know, you don't want to hang around people that are getting drunk and, you know, you think a bar is a bad idea, then own it and, and stick to it. You know, never be, um, never be persuadable. Okay. I think I made that word up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll make its way into the dictionary. Yeah. Right. For sure. Um, I think like too, that, my my angle is um is always been like the mom like I, my my oldest is 10 so like I find that I really I don't relate well to women I think every woman says that in rehab like they don't like women <laughs> I feel like I've heard I've heard like, that every yeah right like I don't I, I don't have women friends I have all guy friends right um and and I feel like a lot of women just have trust issues um over just years of of trauma you know what I mean and my my like niche is the single mom thing the um the woman just trying to like identify herself you know I'm 38 and just last year did I start finding out who I was you know who I turned out to be um, looking back and realizing that everything you thought you were going to have or everything you thought would never go away, it's gone. Yeah. What do you mean by that? You want to elaborate a little bit? And take yeah. your time. Take your time. You breathe if you need um, to. Yeah. Um. I think like... I think the whole losing my family and their like support and um, trust and them even believing anything that um, I say has been the hardest part of the whole thing. I feel like my drug addiction, sometimes I took it to extremes to get that attention to kind of remind them that I needed them and um my dad like spent his life saving my life right 20 years of overdoses and um you know did you ever overdose at home where they had I've heard of stories of mothers who had a Narcan their own son yeah um the last time I was in my parents house it's two years ago, October 30th, and uh, my daughter was born August 13th, 
and um do you agree i was on the street pregnant i was homeless my parents wouldn't let me nobody would let me stay with them because i was still with my wonderful husband and you know i married him so it's his responsibility to you know put a roof over my head and i'm an adult now and yeah 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 well uh, <laughs> the agreement was to file for divorce and i can move back in right so I did that, um, filed for divorce, moved back in with my parents. I was nursing, I was working, I was really proud to be clean, but my focus was 100% on where was he and um, how come he still gets to run the streets and get high, you know? Um, did you miss that light? You said, well, he's able to still do that. Did you at any point miss the streets? Because oh, I've actually heard people say... Time. They actually missed it. Yeah. And I think like the draw of it all for me is the absence of responsibility and the absence of um, owning it. Right. Um, the only thing you have to focus on when you're homeless is how you're going to get high. Exactly. Right. And, and yourself, you know, you're the only one that matters. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I had a lot of clean time and we all know that your tolerance goes down and um, I had planned my relapse ahead, right? I I uh, pumped my breast milk for like a week and I stockpiled it because I knew I needed three days to not nurse. I was going to use and then pump and dump for three days and claim I was like sick, like had an infection if they were anyone would ask. And I would just give her the clean breast milk until the shit was out of my system. And that would be my relapse, right? Well... Uh, I hopped in the shower and put the baby to bed and I was getting dressed and I realized that um, my dad was um, not going to come down because I had just gotten out of the shower. It was the perfect time. So I mixed up in my shot and woke up like an hour later on my parents' front porch. Um, my daughter had found me butt naked, the needle in my arm. I OD'd. Um, she ran upstairs to get my dad and he, for the first time, didn't try to resuscitate me or care about if I was going to make it. He dragged me outside, left me on the porch and took my daughters to the hospital. He thought like I had been, based on that, he assumed I had been using the whole time and that my little one had heroin or system. What did he take uh, your children for to the hospital? He wanted, he wanted to make sure that she didn't have any drugs in her system. Oh, because so like, I mean, yeah, because okay. here here she is knocked out and you know, how long has she been using? Like, oh my god, is the baby like fucking addicted? You know what I mean? Like yeah. so that that was my last overdose at home. Um, I haven't been allowed in my parents' house since my parents haven't spoken to me. Um, my sister, whose relationship I rebuilt out of a lot of hard work, hasn't spoken to me since. Not one member of my family even considers me alive. I'm never told of new births uh, or death, um, marriages or babies. I mean, I have zero connection to any blood relative because I think like it was easier for everyone to just jump ahead to the time that I didn't wake up 
rather than having to suffer through the maybes anymore, you know? How long have they not been talking to you? It's been almost two years. My parents think that I'm still um, getting fucked up. They think that I'm in Texas running the streets and um, like, I don't know, avoiding my, my life. I'm definitely avoiding Chicago because I feel like that would be the death of me to go back to all my familiar people, places, and things um, with, with so much emotional baggage would be, would be my last moment. You know, that would be, that would definitely be my overdose. Like that would kill me for sure. So you were basically scared to go back home. Yeah. Oh, definitely. In a huge way. Um, it's too easy there. You know, it's too easy to be nothing, you know, um, it's too easy to be awful. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of, um, things that I just don't want to ever go back to. Right. So that overdose really, um, I don't know. That one was probably the one out of all of them that, that messed with my head the most because like I was saying before, assuming, taking everything for granted, right? I, I never for a minute thought my parents would just turn their back on me, would just decide that I wasn't worth their time. You know, like what could I possibly ever do that would make me not be their favorite daughter you know like their daughter period and that was it like that was the moment where everything I took for granted was lifted right out from under me it probably hurt you a lot that your daughter was the one that found you that probably had some guilt oh yeah big time like how am I ever going to talk to her about that I mean I have to I'm very honest and open with her like she's she's mature beyond her years for sure like um and that's my fault I take full responsibility for everything that I've put all my loved ones through right oh you muted yourself you muted yourself there we go there sorry you go. I don't know how that happened um to have zero support and zero like advice period like I came down here by myself one-way ticket with like everything I owned in a suitcase <laughs> um my that's parents scary. had already huh oh that's I can't scary to just move yeah. to just move out and go somewhere with no friends no nobody that's that would terrify me is what I'm trying to say yeah it's like that one thing that I always knew I had to do you know, they tell you, a lot of therapists have told me like over the years, like, sure, you could leave, you could change your location, your city, your country even, but you still got you, you know, you're still bringing you with you, you know, sure. you're the, you're the problem, right? But um, I found that like, that was like the one thing I didn't do different every time. Like I never changed locations, you know, and it actually worked for me, like, um, I feel like it was shit or get off the pot in respect to um, either 
embracing the divorced single mom role or the strong ass single mom role, you know, like being the one that like looked back and laughed and learned from it or just took it off the deep end, right? It's basically you get to choose who you want to be, choose who you are. Right, right, for sure. But being honest and like with yourself is the hardest part, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the... That is the toughest person to lie to. That is the toughest person to mess with yourself. That's, oh, yeah. that, that's the worst thing you can do is lie yeah. to yourself, at least in my mind. It's, oh, it's, yeah, definitely. It's the most uh, damaging thing you can do, you know? Yeah. Like, then you continue on with these damp, these bad behaviors because you think it's okay, but it's really not. Right. Right. This whole like um, self-medicating isn't all about narcotics, you know, self-medicating can be anything. And hey, we're not doctors. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's my um, the love that I have for my kids with the separation between us has has become clearly front and center in my life as like the reason that I'm still here you know I didn't even want kids growing up you know like I also um lost two kids so the two that I have um I've accepted that that that's God's plan for me like I've got to be a badass mom like I've got to lead by example and teach them all the stuff that nobody ever taught me that I need to still learn. The useful stuff. <laughs> yep. Pass down your knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, being um being in this situation where like my family, my family may or may not jump back on board. That in itself had to be like pushed aside. Because if I were to continue focusing on that, I I, I don't know. I probably would have lost my mind. You know. Well, um, sometimes it's okay to put that to the side for now. Right. Or don't forget about it. But you you know you can work on it at a time when you're ready. Yeah, definitely. And again, the whole writing thing has helped. Like. I continue to reach out to them all the time. I write letters. They never respond, but at least I know that I'm communicating with them. It may be one-sided, but they know where I'm coming from and how I feel. And um, that makes me feel better. It may be selfish, but I need that. I need them to know what they did that hurt me or what, how I feel bad about how I've hurt them. And I'm aware of it. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is uh, making our amends and apologizing for the shit we've done, the shit we put them through. But, you yeah. know, that's not just parents, it's everyone. For me, I oh, have my yeah. ex-girlfriend, I put her through a lot of shit. Um, my mom said the only thing I did to her was, she goes, I knew something was wrong with you. I did not know what, and I did not know how to help you. So she felt helpless, which is probably hard on a mother. Right. Oh, like, yeah. I, I would feel hopeless with my daughter if that was the same thing. Yeah. Um, I look at my daughter who's going to be a teenager soon and I am scared to death because uh, I almost feel like I've set her up for failure. 
you know. Um, Why do you think dad, that? My dad was an addict when I was young, and um, he went to rehab when I was like four years old, and got kind of clean, you know, clean enough, and um, was always really open and honest about it. And I think he wanted to like use that as a trust builder. Like he felt he, and he's told me he felt that by sharing that, that I would get out of it, that I could share anything with him because I would see how hard it was for him to talk about it. Right. But it had the opposite effect. Like I was looking at my dad, this like father of two beautiful girls in private school with a house, yearly vacations, three cars, pets, you know, and, and, and ex addict. Like he dabbled in drugs and he survived and his life's great. Right. So I could do that. That that was my get out of jail free card. <laughs> that was like, I that was my uh, always in the back of my mind. Like, I can I can have fun and you know let let it all out and I'll be fine. I'll put it behind me and and move on with my life. And it will have been an experience. And yeah, no, um, I've like become everything I had become everything I never wanted to be everything that I was afraid to be you know the the mom who said F it when it came to getting her kids to school or putting groceries in the fridge um the college student who decided getting high was more important than showing up for the exam you know um credit card debt like you wouldn't believe just just um irresponsibility and again always thinking in the back of my mind that my parents or somebody would be there to bail me out and I feel like my daughter's been a witness to all this you know like she she sees what I'm going through and um and she's herself is dealing with a two-year-old sister who she basically parents um an emotional mother who she can't touch, who she talks to every night. And um, it's all superficial, you know. Um, there's so many things I've missed out on and and moments that, like, will never be able to be gotten back that as a clear-headed, goal-driven individual in my current state, like, moments are everything. Everything is about experiences um and learning experiences that's my like outlook right now like I want to my favorite quote is Mother Teresa live as you will have wished to have lived when you are dying and I used to look that at is, that that's profound yeah. that is a great great thing to say wow and I used to look at that quote as my like that's why I do drugs right that that was I used to look at it that way that party while you can right never say you didn't but now like that I've kind of untwisted my thought process and I can see it for what it is it's like don't don't uh don't waste it right life's a gift every moment's a gift every person's a gift every lesson learned or not learned is is a gift, right? Um, I feel like 
where everything was frivolous before in addiction is so much more meaningful and um, impactful in sobriety. Like it's, it's harder to just cast things off when you're not in a haze all the time. Yeah. You know, when you're experiencing things for what they are and you're really in the moment and you can process it with a clear head, it makes it that much more real and worthy of your time. Yeah, I mean, that's something we definitely struggle with as addicts. Yeah, for sure. Um, we were talking before we came live about like um, the sense of the, the community you know, the sense of community um, in recovery, because recovery is a lifelong thing, is so important. and so like under stressed. Like you can't do it alone. You know, you can't really do anything alone. It takes a village should apply to everything. Yeah. I mean, even just going to the grocery store, you need the employees right. to put, put the products on the shelves. You need the shipping companies that take the food from the, you know, whatever it is, the manufacturers place and bring right. it to the actual stores mm-hmm. you have to like keep in mind everything has a million working parts oh yeah. every moment does every person does every everything you know like and i'm a big believer of everything happens for a reason there's not one moment that was not meant to be you know every od every um Every diagnosis, every, um, yeah, great moment was a moment that I learned something from, you know, you take something away from everything. Otherwise, what's it all about? What's the point? Yeah, a lot of people, they don't do that. And it's like, you have to look for something to take away from your experiences because you have to be proactive about it. You have to say, I just made this mistake what do I do next time the same problem arises? So you have to be right. looking for that. You know, right. that's what I think. Mm-hmm. It's like that uh, fool me once thing, you know? Fool me fool once, once, shame, shame on, you. on you. Fool me fool twice, me shame, twice on me. shame on me. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, and it's super true. Like, if you don't learn from your, ex- like, experience, then it's all for naught. Yeah. You know? you're gonna have to go through the pain again until you learn from it like people for example when you pray for strength i believe that god presents you with a really difficult situation through which you have to be strong that's how you get strength you suffer through it and you you earn it and you you pull it out of the depths of you um when it's all you have Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um and I can't stress honesty enough, if not with, um, you know, others with yourself. Oh, yeah. That I always say that is the worst person you could lie to. I think we might have said it earlier in this yeah, episode. Yeah, we did. Where, it's yeah. And, well, we come back to it again because it's just something people need to learn. Maybe we can pound it into their heads, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, the immediate gratification mindset of a person in active addiction is so damaging and so like long lasting like you can carry out putting down the drugs ain't no thing right 
anybody could stop smoking crack or stop, you know, uh, smoking dope or whatever. But when shit gets tough, not everyone can handle it. That's what makes us different. That's what separates us, you know. You have to learn how to, like, push through. And often I've found that, again, the community aspect, having someone to just relate to or just listen or distract is like, it's almost like God being physically here with you and walking you through it, you know? Or, or to have someone that genuinely understands what you're going through because they have personally been there before. Because you can talk to all the doctors you want, all your family members. You're the only one that knows and what it feels like to be an addict. And only these other addicts know how that feels. So I think it's a better form of communication when you can talk to another addict. I think you need oh, yeah. all types of communication, but that's a good one. Yeah. And like we had, we were talking about that and that's a lot of addicts will, will say that they don't feel comfortable with, in treatment with, unless their counselor or group leader has been where they've been. Otherwise they feel almost um, insulted. At least yeah. that's how I've felt. If, if you've never done a drug a day in your life and you're going to sit there and literally say, you know how I feel. No, you, you don't. And you won't. And, and don't patronize me. It's, it's almost like, well, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier to get something out of a relationship when you guys can like relate, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is something that <laughs> Bill W. discovered back in 1935 was that when two addicts talk to each other something different happens right anyway, that's, yeah. the whole, that's how AA started was service work helping others without mm -hmm. expecting anything in return and it just grew because then the next person then the next person then the next person did that um yeah but yeah he figured that out a long time ago that's still the point of a lot of programs whether it's like we have 10 steps whether it's a 12 step program is community and people that yeah. under, people that understand what you're talking about, right? Like I, I, the the sense of community is um is has been a lifesaver. Um, in many times where like I tried to avoid um, falling into my old routine of standing alone, right, proving to everybody I could do it by myself, or I didn't need anybody. The only person I was really proving anything to was myself. And I was proving that I was wrong. <laughs> um, that having someone on your team in every endeavor changes the whole script, right? Yeah. Like you're building a house, okay, which I'm hoping to do soon. If I had a carpenter on my team, hey, my house is going to look a little bit better, isn't it? Yep. Um, <laughs> absolutely yeah um but since i've been down in texas i've been doing a lot of service work the homeless population here is crazy in your face right like really? uh, yeah it's uh we have camping uh they're allowed to camp on the street okay they're allowed so they're, to they were up until oh. the law has changed since i've been down here okay About three months ago it changed they uh in, instituted a camping ban Okay, so now all these hundreds of tents that you saw lining the expressway ramps are in the woods and like off like behind 
big box stores and stuff, right? So they basically push people into the shadows. It's so sad. And it's so sad. And um, it's given me a lot of, um, let's see, pride, I guess, and a lot of motivation each and every time that I get a smile in return for something that I've done for anybody that needs it, you know, like the temperature drops, pass out blankets, boom. I'm not expecting anything in return, but knowing that what I did made a difference or, or, you know, was something that they needed. Selfless acts are um, God's grace, you know? And I think it's okay to feel about, to feel good about good things you do, because that's kind of what motivates you. And oh, for sure. At the same time, if you're doing something for yourself, but it also happens to be helping others, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Not a bad thing at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, I get a high from this. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I love that feeling. Like, I feel like a good meeting where you're like literally high. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, really. It really does help. It helps me. I, I, I kid around. And I said to my mom, I go, mom, I don't have time to relapse. <laughs> I keep myself so busy. I don't have time to run to the store for a bottle of liquor. And I know hands. It keeps me going. Keeps me going. For sure. You know, and, and that is so true. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Never was there a more true statement. You nope. know, boredom is a killer. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And in reality, like, there's a thousand things to do, right? I, I I just laugh every time that I find myself bored, right? Because it would take me two seconds to find something that needs to be done. It's yeah. just a matter of like, looking I don't know. It. Yeah, right? Looking for it. And it's also a matter of not avoiding it, period. Ah, uh, there you go. That's a very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. So. So what do you, um, what are your plans for the future? So, and one, thing I, one thing I never asked you, actually, real quick. What is your drug of choice, or what was your drug of choice? Heroin. Heroin, okay. Yeah, IV user, yeah. IV user. Mm-hmm. Um, Who introduced addiction... you to it? So, um, I dated this guy. I met him when I was uh, 23, and he introduced me to both heroin and crack cocaine. Okay. So, um I spent the next four years of my life just ruining my life. And then I had seven years clean. And in that seven years, I um, had my first daughter. I was a killer mom. Um, I had a home that had an income property. I got married. I had two cars. We had been to Hawaii and Disney World. And I mean, I was like living my dream. But again, taking it all for granted and convincing myself that it just wasn't good enough, you know, and, and that I deserved, you know, a break. Yeah. Right? I, I needed an out. Um, so I, I, the, those years clean and, and this year clean has been um, really introspective, you know, it's all I want to do is learn more about why I do what I do yeah. and, uh, and how I can do more of what needs to be done. Yeah, for sure. It's good about learning about yourself. 
you have to become familiar with your own brain, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, you lose yourself in addiction. You have to wear a thousand masks. You know, you, you have to be able to mold into any surrounding and, and make it work. Yep. You're, you're not, you don't even know who you are. So everything feels wrong or right, you know? Um, and it's confusing to keep up with all that stuff. It's really hard to define anything about yourself when you're never let's see never grasp taking hold of or owning any attributes gotcha you know so let me ask you this being a heroin an iv heroin user this is a random question how do you feel yes. about safe injection sites where people can go there, get clean needles, and they can actually have somebody supervise them while they're getting high in case they um, overdose, they can Narcan them? How do you feel about those sites? Because from the studies, hepatitis C goes down, AIDS goes down, there's less death. Um, oh, yeah. I am 100% behind it. I think that what Portugal has done and what Vancouver is doing is... Um, it's in the numbers, like and you you mean decriminalizing you mean decriminalizing exactly you cannot criminalize uh drug use, you can't criminalize poverty, but somehow we have we've we've criminalized just um things that are really beyond our control, you know, and I think it's just it's another example of how government is way too involved in um everyday decisions that a person makes. I think 90% of uh, drug use is, is inspired by um, the fact that it's against the law. <laughs> you know, it's your initial like uh, a taboo moment. You know, you're, you're doing what you're not supposed to do. That's half the, half the thrill of it, you know? Yeah. Um, having it be safe is huge because 90% of the overdoses aren't because these people don't know what they're doing. It's because they don't have any idea what they're buying. Not, most of, like most fentanyl. of the, yes, fentanyl is crazy, like crazy strong. And, and people think they can like tell and their tolerance is like this and they, you know, they, they know their shit and they know their dealer and they, they, you know, they know where their shit's coming from. You never know. And like, you never know what you're doing. And and the main thing that like, comes along with like living in that life is the lack of hygiene and cleanliness. You know, the lack of um just safety. You know, using sharing needles is beyond common. It's like just a natural thing. The norm. Um, it's the norm, right? Like you cast it aside, like it's it's not going to be me is the mindset that gets people killed. It can't happen to me is the worst uh, stance you can have because what makes you so different from that guy? You know, how, how are you the chosen one? It's going to be the, the one person that it doesn't affect, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're human too. You know? Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> like you said, you're just, you're a human being. Nobody, yeah. no one's anything above and beyond that. Right. And, and like, um, the amount of people that I've lost to overdoses is crazy. And, and it's not just the overdoses. It's, it's septic, septic or sepsis. Like when they get like the, 
infection from the bacteria yeah, from using the dirty. Yeah, septic. that's it. Yeah, I've lost a couple people to that and like just heart problems. I mean, the shit that we're putting in our bodies ain't, ain't what we think it is. And that's what sucks. If the government could, you know, uh, regulate it or if somebody could just be more like I love the uh, the people that volunteer at concerts and they'll test your drugs for you. I've never heard of that. Yeah, they'll go to music festivals, like literally like nurses and stuff, and they'll set and you bring them your drugs and they'll test it for purity and they'll tell you exactly what it is you're doing. You know how much heroin's in your heroin. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and it's it's actually saved. It's made a big difference. Like uh, concerts and festivals that had like a notoriously high like death rate or ambulance uh showing up you know is is now cut in half or down by 80 percent because people are taking advantage of knowledge knowledge is power right yeah yes it is and i i don't know how many times i've said i wish i could test this and see what i'm doing or what's in this or how strong it is but like that that requires coming out into the world with your illegal substance and risking getting arrested or you know what i mean like absolutely yeah safety is is second to uh jail time <laughs> i know it sucks yeah. it sucks it does that. it does yeah it's crazy so what are your future plans what do you what do you plan on doing with your life i know you and i are talking about trying to help us out help grow this group but yeah. what are the other goals in your life what else are you trying to do so I've um, pretty much whittled down my grandiose um, goals to two main focal points. Okay. Um, I'm what extremely environmentally conscious. Um, okay. Climate change is here and now, and it's it's um, in 30 years. Like when my kids are are like having their first kids, if they even get to do that, um, the coastlines, the geography of this planet is going to be different. The um the people are gonna have to move away from cities. Um energy is like is gonna have to just completely, completely morph into uh fossil fuel free living and, and there's so many adjustments that need to be made and there's it's just nobody has the education. I wanna educate people on what's going on and and um guide them through simple things that can be done. I'm trying to start a nonprofit right now. Um, it's called Salvages. Um, and I want to save construction material, right? People are building in this city right now like crazy because everyone's moving from California to Austin. I like, got uh, Google, just Google, Indeed, Tesla, all these big, uh, you know, companies came here. So they're bringing an influx in population. So torn down um, buildings, where do they go? They go to landfills. Landfills are already overflowed. Um, the amount of gases that get into the atmosphere from the trash just sitting there is crazy awful for the planet. Um, my company would focus on rescuing these construction materials and teach a man to fish, right? Rather than giving him fish. So then I want to utilize um the skill and the workforce that's right there in the homeless population i want to um 
I want the homeless to have access to building sites and the materials they need to build a home for themselves, um, to have the pride and walk away with the skills and the knowledge that come along with it. And um, just being a great mom, I want a mortgage-free life. I would like to uh, convert a school bus and get back to my hippie roots, find us a nice commune on a mountaintop somewhere. <laughs> We have a lady in our group. Um, she's a sweetheart. She actually sold her house and left her apartment. And she's now a permanent RVer. And she's I just, love it. And what she's doing is she's traveling the country, meeting all the group members from Addicts Anonymous. She's one of our admins. So she's, I love it. She's meeting all of us face to face. and We're all getting pictures with her. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. That's my vision. Like, I want to homeschool my kids. And uh, like, I have like a specific timeline set out, right? Of course, we know that's going to pan out and I'm going to stick to it, right? Yeah. Ideally, but I want to homeschool them and I want them to like live life. Uh, my, I'm convinced, and I know this is so like doomsday prophecy thing. And like, I'm convinced that um, my, my kids won't have grandkids. And like, like living, living the life, living in a world that we're living in. Like having the whole like idea of employment, um, holding a job, um, two cars, two kids, nine to five, like that's all out the window. The world is like crazy changing and, and, and not in like the best way. Um, I think the number one negative impact that all of the things that we're going through climate change um the coronavirus um advances in technology is that it's breaking the bond between human beings i think like the social graces are gone um people don't know how to like interact with each other one-to-one -one. they don't know how to hold a conversation they don't know how to properly introduce themselves to people like shake hands um eye contact um i don't know how to sew um, some people, some women can't cook. Like, I just feel like there's so many messed up priorities and like changes to like adjustments that need to be made, you know, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm overly inspired by people that are doing it and, and constantly, um, you know, testing myself with different, different ideas and different skills and, and seeing like, what I flourish in and what I can, how I can inspire others. And um, I'm, I'm done, most importantly, in focusing on what I don't have and what I can't do. You know, like, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done and where I've been. Um, proud of everything I've survived and every moment that I've experienced and um really intrigued to see how much more I can grow. That's great. I mean, yeah. it's great that you're looking to grow because I feel like the moment we stop having that natural curiosity and want to just learn new things and grow more and more, I think once we lose that life, just it's no it's not fun anymore. Right. That's the magic you know exactly yeah. that that's the magic so what is so again towards the end here let me ask you this do
do you have a message for our listeners? Anything you would like to say to them about things you do that can help them? Or what do you think they should be doing to try to get sober, stay sober, et cetera? Um, I'd like to say that if you're actively in addiction right now, um, look yourself in the mirror. It's really hard. And you may hate what you see. But what I can guarantee you're going to get out of it is the knowledge that you're still here for some reason. Go find out what that is. You know, um, no regrets. And um, if you're in over that hill and, and you put the drugs behind you and you're struggling in recovery and just dry drunk in it, um, explore yourself you know really just try new things and and um put yourself out there you never know unless you try right no you don't sell yourself short you can do anything you want you can do anything and be anyone you want to be absolutely absolutely and i think that's a great place to wrap up i want to thank you so much jen it's i think we did a good interview how do you feel i think so too i think we did um i'm going on a pot of coffee so, <laughs> so i feel like i was on super high speed motion uh, but that's just naturally me i look forward to working with and meeting everybody out there um and getting our initiative to for community out there and uh, rolling away absolutely so to everybody watching if you like what you heard Click on the bottom right subscribe button. Also give us a like. Look at she's giving the peace symbol, Jennifer. And also give us a rating on iTunes. Go to our Facebook group. You can join there. Also our Facebook page. You can give us a like. And also on the Facebook page is a lot of the events for our Zoom meeting. So I would say definitely check out a Zoom meeting. We have them daily, uh, sometimes twice a day. And that's all I got. Until next time. Thanks.